0: these traffickers, these defendants, these suspects, they use the most manipulative, the most despicable tactics to lure in our most vulnerable victims and populations into some horrific circumstances, and circumstances which, given the dynamics of the relationship, our victims cannot escape.
1: Welcome to Crime News Insider. This is Jorge Del Portillo. And with me as always is Lori Hoff. How are you doing, Lori? Happy New Year, Jorge. Happy New Year. I know it's been a couple months since we've been a different... little
2: busy, my friend. You've yes. been a little busy. So in... I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass.
1: I was in trial for a couple of weeks and unbeknownst to me, there's going to be a bunch of cameras there and until like the first day of trial, a bunch of cameras showed up and uh, I saw you. You saw me. Yeah. On the news. You know, the good thing about a podcast is you could edit it afterwards and on court TV, you cannot. So I'm pretty embarrassed, Uh, but, but it was a good result. Um, It was. Yeah. Anyone out there that you could check it out. It's the Jade Jenks trial. There was a podcast on it already. Mm. And, uh, were
2: you featured in it? I
1: I was not, but they talked about, you know, prosecution strategy and little do they know that, hello, they can come to the source and uh, but I can't talk about it, uh, the case no. until after sentencing. Anyways, so yeah, maybe a future date maybe we'll a we will get the
2: first interview.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I will give you the exclusive, Lori. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, today we are recording a podcast. It is January 5th, 2023. And January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And with that, we wanted to do an episode on this issue. In order to talk about this issue, we have Flavio Nomenati with the San Diego DA's office. Flavio Nomenati has been a prosecutor for 11 years, and in that time, he's been assigned to various units, the Domestic Violence Unit, Elder Abuse, Juvenile, Crimes Against Peace Officers, and the Gang Unit. He's currently assigned to the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force. And in that capacity, he is the team leader for the sex crimes and human trafficking division within our office. In addition, he serves as the executive chair of the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force. Flavio Nomenati, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Jorge. Hi, Lori. Thank you. Hi, welcome. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Happy Happy New Year. Year.
2: Before we start about this very important topic, we need to get one other topic out of the way, and that is
0: World Cup. I yes, think you we were for
2: France, right? We're, yeah, you That's were right. rooting no, for
0: France. No, no. I'm sorry. I, uh, to all the French listeners, I'm sorry. No, We have a I, lot of listeners lot in France. French they're right, going to be so. very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Argentine through and through. Went to Buenos Aires after uh, the semifinal. Bought tickets. My wife and I went out on a limb. Thank you to all the people who covered court for me. You're <laughs> uh, listening. Um, they're not. They're
2: not. <laughs>
0: Well, hey, you know what? I'll tell them to listen so they hear the things. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I did go to Argentina for the How final. was it? It was incredible.
2: Were there like people in the streets going crazy? It was
0: about 10% of the Argentine population was out on the street on Tuesday after the World Cup final because they declared a national holiday. Wow. And so we were lucky enough to still be there. And we went out and we were in the crowd. It was the most joyous thing. (laughs) I I mean, there was not a single business that was looted. There was not a single car that was burned, turned over, nothing. No no windows broken, nothing. It was a love fest. Is it because they
1: knew there was a prosecutor in the crowd and they didn't want to commit (laughs) any crimes?
0: Oh, I'm sure. You know, I didn't see a single, to that fact, I didn't see a single police officer. (laughs) Uh, Because they were all
2: celebrating too. Yeah.
0: Pretty much. They were all around. Well,
2: when you when you look back like you're an old man, you you're, you're you're sitting in your rocking chair and you look back and you like think about your future kids and you know, your the happiest memories you know, your your family's gonna be like, What was it? and you're like, Well, you all are great, but <laughs> let me tell you about the World Cup twenty twenty two.
0: Oh, pretty much. I mean, it was and it was funny because the it came about because In 2014, the last time Argentina made the final, my dad and I were talking about going to Brazil for the final game, and uh, we didn't go. Even if we couldn't get tickets, I was just like, Dad, let's go. We can go to the beach in Brazil and like hang out, even if, you know, we're just there. Um, And my dad and I did not go. And my dad, you know, not to bring a bummer to anything, but my dad passed away, has since passed mm. away. Mm. And it was something that I always, it's probably the only regret I've ever mm. had in my life. And when uh, Argentina passed the semis, my wife looked at, over me and said, you can't pass this up again, Flavio. Yeah. Mike mm. is giving you a second chance and you got to do it. And I That's mean, awesome. to be very honest, my 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 colleagues in the office the amount of peer pressure I received to go to Argentina, which I've never been to Argentina like, like at a drop of a hat. It's not the type of country that you go to without yeah. preparation. And so uh, it was really great to have everyone supportive, that support me in this endeavor, frankly. And uh, it was a once in a lifetime incredible experience. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. Happy New Year. Yeah, great so great. I know. <laughs> My
2: yeah. husband was very mad at you because he bet on France. But other oh. than that, I'm <laughs> happy for you.
0: Oh. Oh.
1: Uh, you <laughs> but
2: we need to talk about Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Yes. Yes. And yes. so or hey, let's get back on track.
1: Let's let's get to it. Uh so Human Trafficking Awareness Month. First of all, um, what is can you describe for the listeners, you know. Uh, we hear human trafficking, we may think of something, what is human trafficking when we're talking about it in this context?
0: To start the conversation, sometimes it's easier to kind of talk about what human trafficking is not, Mm. because there are so many misconceptions and myths when it comes to human trafficking, one of which is we hear the word trafficking, and we immediately, you know, certain things come to our mind. You know, sometimes people, the first thing that comes to their mind is a movie, like Taken or something, someone being kidnapped, drugged, taken from their house. Sent somewhere to work to, to, to for something else. Now, human trafficking may have a component of that, but mm. that is called smuggling of humans. And though they're they can be related, and though the crime can exist together, human trafficking can occur exclusively locally, and that's when somebody is coerced, they're forced, uh, they're threatened into doing something. That they would not otherwise do and here in california that other thing that they are being forced to do is either work or engage in sex and so that it it is a problem that has existed for for some time although it was not first recognized in a month until 2010 Mm -hmm. uh, when that was the first uh human trafficking awareness month and It's actually referred to as National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Hmm. And I know that that term is something that can be a little bit strong and a little bit jarring for some of the listeners and and certainly can invoke a tremendous amount of emotion. But it's important to include that term slavery because human trafficking is a form of modern day slavery. And uh, these traffickers, these defendants, these suspects, They use the most manipulative, the most despicable tactics to lure in our most vulnerable victims and populations into some horrific circumstances and circumstances which, given the dynamics of the relationship, our victims cannot escape. And whether it is due to a cycle of violence or a mental manipulation, fear of retribution, lack of a support group. Our victims are often isolated, and they are often they experience the sensation of feeling trapped. And this 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 awareness this this month uh, that we that we engage in this awareness is so important. Not just to acknowledge our victims who may have survived or, or are currently being victimized but to also increase the awareness so that we can identify this crime, a crime which is often described as hiding in plain sight. And it is important to increase the awareness of this. If you look at the Department of Defense website and you look at the amount of income that is derived from this on a yearly basis, both sex trafficking and labor trafficking, it is billions of dollars. Mm. Billions billions with a B. Hmm. And it is incredible the degree to which this occurs. And like I said, the people who are at the most at risk are our most vulnerable populations. They are children. It is uh, individuals who come from challenging backgrounds who are manipulated to a life of riches. They're promised. That their life will change and their promise that their life will become more profitable. And the reality of it is, it's not that way. And what they learn once they have been lured in is that they are trapped. And so it's a very important month. It's so important that we are hosting two events next week at uh, One Safe Place in San Marcos. Uh, One event is going to be in Spanish. That's going to be next Friday. And the other event is going to be on uh,
1: uh, the 10th. And so So January 10th and January 13th. Yes, sir. that's that's
0: right. And these events are really being held to once again, educate the community about what signs, how to identify a victim, the signs that a victim may show and display. Another thing, Cork and Lori, that that a lot of people want to know is how can they help? How right. can we help in 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 stopping this crime? And one thing that I always urge individuals is it's it's good to say, "I want to help." But what is very important is your help should not force you to intervene. To immediately go up to the victim and say, can I help you? Is this your trafficker? Or put that victim in that type of circumstance because these situations and this crime, the relationship between the trafficker and the victim is, if we can even call it a relationship, is, is remarkably volatile. And that interaction can place the victim at great risk. It could place the person who's intervening at great risk. And so what's important is to report what you see and allow professionals to intervene. And one thing I tell everyone is you can find the full number on the Department of Defense website, but there is a text number that you can text. You could text to the number, be free and you can report and that's and that's the federal government will you will be reporting to them what you observe by way of uh, human trafficking and so that's that's the best way to help it is to educate yourself it is to urge the education of children and i could talk a little bit about that if you'd like in terms of how covid has really impacted uh, this crime as well and especially uh, amongst uh, our younger victims, is that because
2: they were on on the computers while you know for an extended period of time and very vulnerable in that way?
0: Absolutely. What we have found is that the most prevalent form of luring of our victims is through the internet, and the internet has become the platform of this crime, both for a prospective sex buyer as well as a trafficker and victim.
2: When you say the internet, that, that's so broad to me, but like as a parent or as a child, what what should they be concerned about or, or have their have their spidey senses up about?
0: Social media. Okay. I will say that about 90% of the cases that we have, the initial interaction between the trafficker and the victim is over social media. And that could be Instagram, Facebook, it's, it's liking a photo, it's a sudden, random, out of nowhere message from a person that the victim doesn't even know, saying something along the lines of, I like the way, you know, complimenting them on their looks, mm-hmm. complimenting them on what they're wearing. And it leads to uh, an interaction about what they can do, and how much money they can make and leading them to believe that this life
1: is something worth living. What do you tell parents to be on the lookout for? And how do you guard against that? You know, growing
0: up, my mom would always tell me, you know, be careful when the stranger comes up to you. And, you know, asks you a question, always be, be mindful of strangers, right? And that interaction was something that would occur face to face, you'd get your stranger. Now that same conversation needs to be had with with kids and and between kids and parents, when it comes to a stranger online, there mm-hmm. there has to be monitoring of social media of uh, 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 between a parent and a child, or at least a conversation between the parent and the child about this kind of danger, because uh, you know we've seen the victimization of minors increase drastically because of COVID, mm-hmm. and so. It's something, and we've we've recovered juveniles at a, really an alarming rate this year alone, more than any other year. And so that's something that, you know, these traffickers know who to pick. And they target these juveniles who may be runaways. We have juveniles who come from a very challenging past. Perhaps they were in the foster system. And so they challenge, they they go after these victims and they ensure that they're successful because they give them kind of like a family environment. They, that's what they're selling them on.
2: Can you tell us, uh, Flavio, a little bit about what your job is on the task force yeah. and what the task force does?
0: Absolutely. So this this task force is a is a model that has since been placed at, uh, across the state. But what it is, is a... a a grouping of different police agencies across the county, but not just police agencies. We have uh, social services available here, but we have every single police agency in the county essentially participating with us. Federal agencies that also participate, the FBI participates, and, and I participate on the state side as the prosecutor of these human trafficking cases. There is a colleague of mine from the uh, from the federal side who does the federal cases. And so what we do really is collaborate all together because what we have learned from this crime is that the more communication exists between law enforcement agencies, the more successful a prosecution can be. The more awareness is brought to us of certain players, of certain individuals that may be involved in this, of certain victims that uh, may be still victimized by other individuals. And so every, for example, Tuesday, we all meet together and we discuss our cases. And one of the most incredible things that I witnessed when I first came to this task force is how important that meeting was, how important it is to just sit around a table with other law enforcement agencies discussing cases, because you'll hear one officer go, oh, you know, I think I I saw something when I was reviewing the evidence in my case. I saw something about that guy in my case
1: mm-hmm. and
0: right. so on and so forth. It creates a collaborative environment and one where you are encouraged to kind of share leads with one another. And then you ultimately bring uh, you ultimately hold these traffickers accountable.
2: That's great. Yeah. Information sharing is so important because when you have these agencies that are essentially doing the same type of investigations, the same type of work, but operating independently. I mean, we saw that with 9-11, right? That's why we, we had a lot of missed, missed opportunities there. And when law enforcement does it, especially you realize, oh my gosh, you know, there's so much crossover.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's, um, you mentioned 9-11, but you know, there was this other documentary that I saw on, uh, Netflix that, that struck a chord with me. That was the, the one on the night stalker Yeah. And and you could see how LAPD and and their sheriffs Mm -hmm. didn't want to share information with one another. And I can't tell you how opposite that is to what we have now. That's really great. It is law enforcement agencies that are after the same people doing everything they can together to collaborate under one umbrella. Despite the fact that they may be sheriffs, despite the fact they may be San Diego police, when they submit a report, it's under the Human Trafficking Task Force heading.
1: So as a you know, human trafficking prosecutor, you mentioned there's this common perception that, you know, this is global, this is international, this is maybe federal. But you said this is local. As a local prosecutor, what kind of cases do you see as a human trafficking focused prosecutor?
0: Yeah, so we see on the state side, we see a wide variety of charges. We see a wide variety of types of crimes. I've prosecuted assaults with deadly weapons where the trafficker is upset at the victim. And we've had it on video where this trafficker will chase the victim down in his car up a curb and chase her down a sidewalk, an entire sidewalk, Mm -hmm. in an effort to intimidate them, in an effort to get them to do what that trafficker wants them to do. I've seen juveniles be dropped off at hotels by traffickers to engage in uh, in sex acts paid sex acts. I've seen the other side of the coin. I've seen buyers. And that's one thing that I think really needs to be enforced. In, and we do that at the district attorney's office, but demand. What keeps this crime going is yeah. demand.
2: That's right. Yeah. And
0: that's what needs to be curbed. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, that's part of the observations that can help. When someone out there wants to know what else to do, that's part of those observations. If you're seeing that demand, it's important. That is the way we reduce this crime. That is the way we stop this crime. But I've seen cases involving violent traffickers, just like that one I mentioned a second ago, and and traffickers who have deprived their victims of the most basic fundamental needs. I had one particular victim that I worked with that the very first time I met her, it had been after she had been working for a trafficker effectively for two months. And when I met with her, it was literally seconds after she had been recovered because I was working this, with this task force. And so I asked her, you know, how are you? Have you eaten something? You want something to eat? And she goes, huh, that's funny that you, you asked me that. And I go, well, why, why is that funny? And she goes, I haven't been asked what I want to eat. In, a, in about two months, mm-hmm. I'm always told what I'm going to eat. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you want to eat? Wow. And she goes, Jack in the box. And I go, Jack in the box of everything that you could possibly want. You want Jack in the box? And she goes, yeah, I really want Jack in the box. <laughs> and it was it was a moment where as a prosecutor, you know. I, 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 th- sometimes when you're a prosecutor, you're thinking how can i how can I prove this case? How can I uh, 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 hold this person accountable? But what you can never lose track of inside of is the fact that this these aren't chess pieces that we're manipulating here. These are yeah. human beings. These are individuals who have incredible who've overcome incredible trauma and who are experiencing incredible trauma. And that interaction with this victim, it, it was like a bucket of ice cold water over my head where mm-hmm. it just kind of, it all, it's it all in perspective.
2: Yeah, it, it really it does. Did.
0: And, and I, I, I've seen interactions between traffickers and victims where, you know, a victim is texting the trafficker, you know, she's probably out working and you could tell because she's saying, you know, there's, there's very little people out here, no one's stopping. And it's a day that she goes, she says it's cold out here. And the trafficker writes back, "No one's stopping because you're wearing a jacket. Take off your jacket wow. and so these 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 traffickers are despicable. They don't care about their victims. They care about money
1: what What do you tell the community usually that are the red flags to look out for i'm I'm assuming there are some typical industries like hotels I would imagine um what what are the types of industries that you speak with? You know, nurses, hotel workers, what are the red flags to look for?
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've spoken to at, at, in a school environment. I've spoken to parents. Next week's is going to be just to the community at large. We've trained, the district attorney's office has trained hotels on how to identify kind of various markings of a, of a human trafficking situation. But normally what we see, especially with our younger victims, is a change in attitude perhaps a little bit more of uh, being isolated. In cases where the trafficking is occurring online, we see them kind of withdrawing a little bit more to their computer. In the more significant cases, we see sudden appearance of either bruises, of tattoos. One of the most common things that we see in our victims are tattoos because our trafficker encourages them to get branded, quote unquote, with the trafficker's name or with a crown with the initials of the
1: trafficker or why, why a crown? That's the king. Oh, gotcha. So it's the crown with their initials. I got it. Right. That's the boss.
2: One of the things that I saw that our office is doing is um, putting more awareness out about trafficking of boys? Because we always think about trafficking of girls. And I think maybe historically or traditionally, that may be true. But we we also see, and you probably see, the human trafficking of boys. Can you speak to that?
0: Oh, that's 100%. Earlier, I said that this is a crime that occurs in plain sight. And the reason for that is that our victims come from so many different walks of life. Mm. We've seen Uh, victims who are very old. We've seen victims who are very young. We've seen victims who are young girls, young boys. And so that is something to be mindful in the community. This is not just a victim does not look a certain way and fits into the box in a certain way. They come from all different walks of life.
1: Well, thank you so much, uh, Flavio, for everything that you do. You you do a tremendous service to the community in your position and as the executive chair of the Human Trafficking Task Force, which I believe was started by our very own district attorney, Summer Stephan, uh years ago when uh, she was not the district attorney. But uh, thank you so much for everything that you do, Flavio. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Great job. But we are not done yet. We always end the show with on a light note. And we are going to play a game called Crime or Fiction, where each episode we look at the laws on the books. Two are real. One is fake. And I quiz my panel to see if they can guess which one is the fake. The theme, as you might have guessed, is some human trafficking laws or sex laws uh, on the books throughout the world. Are you ready?
2: No. Yes.
1: (laughs) First game of the year. Lori, we're going to reset.
2: I got a stretch. I got a stretch for this one.
1: (laughs) All right. Here we go. A, in Pennsylvania, it is illegal to maintain a brothel, which is defined as a house with 16 or more women living together, unintentionally banning sororities or most sororities since 1951. That's funny. B, in California, it is illegal to inveigle a person under 18 into a house of ill fame. C, in Sweden, prostitution is legal, but it is illegal to be a john or a customer of sex work. Two are real. One is fake. And I'm going to start with Lori because I feel like our expert usually gets it right. I'm just going to start with Lori (laughs) first. Which one do you think is the fake?
2: Oh, this one's tough. Yes. Um, I don't know about Sweden. And I feel like you just like the word in bagel. So I'm not going to pick B.
1: It's a fancy word.
2: It is too fancy. Um, I'm going to go with A. Pennsylvania sororities.
1: In Pennsylvania, it's illegal to maintain a brothel defined as a house with 16 or more women living together. Okay. Uh, Flavio, what do you think? Yeah, I think A is the fake law. Okay. Any thoughts behind that as with your expertise?
0: So I happen to know a little bit about the Sweden the Swedish stuff because oh. of the, uh, a certain discussions that happen in the community related to how Sweden does business, um, and in California actually it is illegal to inveigle <laughs> a, in, uh, a a minor into a house of ill fame for the purposes of prostitution. That's the comma additional or to engage in a sex act within. So. I just happen to just know that. So, okay. <laughs> well, then, that's <laughs> the a pretty exact uh,
2: definition, Jorge. Yeah. He knows the exact definition. Well, so, it's funny. Well, maybe,
0: maybe you're wrong. Maybe we had you're a wrong. Case, we <laughs> had a case, believe it or not, we had a case that we were looking at to charge someone for kind of having a house of ill repute or of ill fame. What is a house um, so, of ill fame? <laughs> yeah. It's basically a brothel, a house where you're being oh. like, you're having you're conducting sex acts within the house for money. And so we had to actually look into that and see what other different types of code sections that we could potentially charge the individual with. So that's, that's why I was actually familiar with that.
1: Okay. Well then I'm just going to cut to it. That Flavio nailed it.
2: (laughs) Wait, I nailed it first.
1: Yes. You nailed it. You nailed it, Lori. Yes. Okay. So a (laughs) is the fake, uh, but let's talk about Sweden, Sweden, It's known as the, I can't even pronounce it, K-V-I-N-N-O-F-R-I-D law, Kinefrid law. It was passed in 1999 and it serves as the, what's called the Nordic model for sex trade legislation and it's adopted by Norway, Iceland, Canada, Northern Ireland. And it's basically legal to engage in sex work, but not to be the customer of sex work. That's how I understand it. Is that how you understand it, Flavio? Yep. Okay. So in Sweden, that is the law. And then B, it is illegal to inveigle or entice, that's what it means, a person who's a minor into a house of ill fame or ill repute. And it's for the purposes of prostitution or to have illicit carnal connection with another person. I threw this out there because I found this, uh, it's Penal Code Section 266. And I remember my first year in the office, we we're trying to figure out a way to, you know, how do, how, is this a crime? What crime is it? This person? broke into a young girl's room and was asking her to come back to his place. And Mm -hmm. she said no. And so he left. And so we found this uh, code section called inveiglement. It's a, Unknown uh, section, unless you're Flavio Nomenati with the Human tribe Ficking Task Force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means a in Pennsylvania, it is not illegal to have a house with 16 or more women living together. But if you go on the Internet, a lot of people say that, oh, did you know in Pennsylvania sororities are banned because of this brothel law? And that is a law that has been debunked. Um, it is not on the books. So good job, Lori, and good job, Flavio. You, yeah. Th- th- that was a lot of pressure. <laughs> but...
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. You Go win, you win
0: yeah. a
1: free uh French soccer jersey. No, no,
0: no,
1: no. <laughs> I <don't want> it. <laughs> You know, I was looking at our stats. We've been downloaded in multiple countries. Okay. In the top of the top 10 countries, France is on there. We have not been downloaded in Argentina. So you got to Contact someone in, in Argentina really? and tell them Better to. get your homies
0: out there. Yeah. Are yeah.
1: we going to we'll do an episode to, we'll have in have
0: Spanish? To translate, you know, yeah. in Spanish. The next section That's... will be in Spanish.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well,
2: thank you, Flavio. It was lovely to have you.
1: Thank you guys for having Thank me. Thank you so much. And for all of our listeners that are in the community in San Diego, that uh, trafficking, w- Human Trafficking 101 is on Tuesday, January 10th from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at One Safe Place. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Um, Flavio, are you going to speak at that event?
0: I'll be speaking on Friday
1: in the Spanish one. Okay. And uh, where is the uh, Spanish event on Friday, January 13th? Same place. One safe place. place. All right. I will put a link into the show notes. Thank you so much, uh, Flavio, for everything you do and for coming on the podcast. Lori, thank you as always.
2: Lovely to see you as well. It's nice to be back.
1: Yes, we're finally back. And until my next trial uh, <laughs> or your next trial, Lori. I, um,
2: <laughs> which could be now. So yes, <laughs> I'll be around.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, again. And until next time, this is the Crime News Insider Podcast. on this podcast are solely of the speakers and do not reflect the views of the Deputy DA Association nor the District Attorney. Questions and comments can be sent to Insider at gmail.com. Please leave a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this show. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at San Diego DDAs. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.